iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello and welcome to the second edition of The Games, your essential daily London 2012 update from The Times. I'm Chris Skinner and on today's programme I'll be talking to photographers Alison Palmer and Olivia Munn, our man running operations for The Times in the Olympic Park, Jeremy Griffin, and Matt Dickinson who will watch Team GB's women's football team kick off later today. We're asking you to be a part of the programme by tweeting your thoughts on the games using the hashtag MyOlympics. We've had some great messages so far, including this one from Dave Payne 164 who says, I can't wait. This is the single most exciting sporting event in the UK in my lifetime, and I get to take my daughter. If you agree or disagree, send us a tweet using the hashtag MyOlympics. And we'll have more of those later. I'm joined now by the man running the Times Olympic coverage from the Olympic Park. It's uh, Jeremy Griffin. Jeremy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Nice to be here. How are you? Yeah, excellent. Uh, You sent me a really interesting email uh, earlier on, alluding to the fact that you think London can offer more than Beijing. So uh, I'd like you to start by elaborating on what you meant there. Well, I was at uh, Beijing four years ago, and um, it was a... an absolutely fantastic Olympics, and it was my first Olympic game, so it will always hold um, very special memories for me, needless to say. But I am really impressed by what I've seen so far from London, and um, uh, not just the organisation that is evident from uh, you know, within the park, uh, building up to the opening ceremony on Friday, but just it's something more ephemeral than that, really. The way the whole place has been designed, uh, the the Olympic Village itself is 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 a, I think you know, architecturally fantastic and uh, offers so much more than um, than the Olympic Village in Beijing did. I mean, it just t- to put it bluntly, uh, that village was you know, purpose-built. It was a sort of great uh, Brogdonian sort of uh, um, uh, architectural eyesore, really. And, and this one has been built to, you know, enhance what, what nature offers, really, in this part of the world, because, of course, we are in, in and around the Lee Valley, there are some important, um, some important sort of nature hotspots, if you like. And I think the designers attempted to, to, to enhance those when they put this place together. And if you think that sounds sort of a, a little bit insignificant in the context of the Olympics, I, 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 would, I would disagree because a lot of people who come to, um, come to the Olympic Games are going to be spending a limited amount of time watching sport and a lot of time soaking up the atmosphere and walking around the park and just trying to get a feel for what um, the Olympics is about. And that will make a huge amount of difference to me. It's, it's just really impressive to see how they've harmonised uh, what clearly is a purpose-built village with the natural surroundings around them. It must help uh, being there on a day where it's 30 degrees as opposed to any time in the previous month as well. I'm sure everything looks beautiful uh, in this weather. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was very hot in Beijing as well. Unfortunately, they're not having such... such uh, great weather at all it's terrible over there at the moment but but you're right when the sun comes out um everyone's happy or at least you'd think that i was on the media bus earlier on coming over from uh, stratford international which is where 
which is one end of the route, if you like, um, one of the main entry points. And there was an Italian journalist sitting just along from me who was complaining about the fact that it was so hot over here. And I, I guarantee, had he been here two or three weeks ago, he would have been complaining about a different aspect of the weather. Oh, you can't win. Uh, now, tonight, I understand there will be a final dress rehearsal for the opening ceremony. Um, I know there was another one earlier in the week. Have you seen any stray sheep around at all? <laughs> no, I, I've not seen anything of a, of a woolly nature so far, other than a few stories from other papers, I have to say. But... but um, uh, we do know a bit about what's going to be in the opening ceremony. I am, I think, morally, if not duty bound, not to uh, not to give anything away because this is a big event that a lot of people have put a lot of time and effort into, and and I think it's supposed to be a party that everyone can enjoy. And it's a bit like I feel like if I was to say too much, um, I would be uh, chastised by the uh, spoiler police. But but but. Um, uh, we have found out we, there was a dress rehearsal uh, a day or two ago as well. A couple of our reporters were um, were hanging around. They weren't invited in, unfortunately, but they, they, they caught a few people coming out uh, and found out a bit about what was going on. And that, that's helped us to prepare for um, what we expect to see. But um, it's going to be a great cast list, a few, um, a few furry animals, as you say, as well. Some great uh, references to... Um, to, uh, to British culture as well. I mean, the sort of things I'm sure you, you listeners will have heard these phrases bandied about before, but by the sound of things, it's going to live up to the hype. I'm now joined by Matt Dickinson, Chief Sports Correspondent here at The Times. Uh, Matt, why is the world's most popular sport the least popular at the Olympics? That is a very good question. The simple answer is because it shouldn't be here. Um, you know, we, we, we get so much football, um, we get so much great football, club champions league, a fantastic Euros. I just don't think there's a great appetite to see it at the Olympics and which is, you know, in the men's case, um, uh, the, the competition is com- entirely compromised by stupid rules about under 23s and three over age players. I mean, it's, it's not exactly fastest man on the planet, is it? And, it, you know, to be fair to the women, it's a proper competition. Most of the good teams are here, but, you know, particularly in England where we say we're a football nation, but I think people are almost looking for, for a breather. And that there are several games today, aren't there? There's uh, Team GB against New Zealand uh, at the Millennium Stadium. Uh, are we going to get decent crowds for this and the other games that we're seeing across the country? Well, I think they've been sort of, you know, they've, they've closed down part of the, the stadium. We know that. So it's it's not going to be um, anywhere near sold out. But I think it's going to be respectable in the end. I mean, there was, you know, some fears early on that there'd be sort of, you know, 10,000 people there. We, we, you know, we'll get a lot more than that. I think, say, I think I think it'll be fine. Um, and but there is an argument. And, I, you know, I've heard it from um, Kelly Smith recently. I interviewed her where she said, why didn't they stage all the games at club stadiums in London? And I have to say there's a... Yeah, it can be argued both ways. It's good that we're taking it out to the country. But, you know, Olympic fever is, is, is in and around London. And, uh, you know, there's a, there is an argument that it should have been played at, at Brentford or Orient or Arsenal. Uh, Brazil, uh, the silver medalists from uh, Beijing 2008 are in the group, along with uh, New Zealand and Cameroon. Uh, before we discuss their medal hopes, we assume Team GB can come through this? I think there'll be certainly an expectation. I mean, they, they, you know, be unlikely that they will um, get near gold. That would be that would be a shock. But you know, there are two teams from each group plus two third place um, 
sides going through. So, yeah, something will have had to have gone pretty horribly wrong for them uh, not to be in the quarterfinals. And I think they'll have hopes of, of getting to the semis and, and, and re- reasonable hopes of getting to the semis. For that three-week fan, you know, the type of fan who will only follow a sport devoutly for the duration of a, a tournament, like, like the Olympics, uh, what, what nations are you expecting will be pushing for gold here? Obviously, we say Team GB are an outside bet for a semi-final. We've mentioned Brazil, uh, silver medalist last time. Who, el- who else can we look out for? I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think all the leading nations are here apart from Germany. I think they're, um, they didn't qualify. Sat, sat down, sit down with Kelly Smith and she said that uh, Sweden, Japan um, were among those that they, they would be worried about. And uh, finally, um, I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to either praise or embarrass everyone on a daily basis uh, by getting their predictions for the day's play. Uh, so so uh, can you uh, tell me, I'm not, I'm not going to test your North Korea, Colombia, but what do you think the score will be uh, between uh, Team GB and uh, New Zealand? I am going to stick my neck out and go for a, a big 2-0 home win. Um, if only because if I'm going to drive all the way down to Cardiff, then um, I want I want to come back with a, a big smile on my face. And, and, and I want the Olympics to get off to a, a flying star because I think it, it's got the potential to be just a splendid um, you know, seven, uh, 17-odd days of sport. And I hope, I hope it gets off to a flyer. I'm joined now by uh, photographers uh, Olivia Mann and Alison Palmer. They photographed together under the names Olivia and Alison. Uh, was that hours in front of the whiteboard? Working hours out and together? hours. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they've, they've been involved in a fascinating project recently where they have been capturing uh, squad members uh, from Team GB and, and capturing not, not just in, in their sports kits but in their everyday life and, and, and a few uh, beyond everyday life poses as well uh, along the way. I guess the obvious first question is how did this job come about? Well, it was a personal project, really, and um, totally inspired from Alison's background. Um, Alison's always been a, a massive football fan and played avidly um, when she was at primary school. Um, but when she started playing, um, there, was, there wasn't a, a girls' team at all, and she actually had to strike up a bit of a battle with the headmistress <laughs> um, to actually enable her to play and other girls in her school to play. So she's always been a real champion of the sport, which is really inspiring. Yeah, it just started with that, really. Just mad about football. And um, we kind of felt that there was a lack of exposure for the women's game in this country. And Liv and I were quite interested in how we could capture these athletes um, in a way that showed something about their character and also you know showcased the sport really and that was quite an interesting kind of artistic challenge I think for us so that's what inspired us yeah I've seen the, the photographs and you know, there's some, some real striking poses but the backgrounds are also quite significant I mean they're going to appear on screen if you're uh, watching now on the iPad app but uh, tell me about uh, some of these photographs why, why, why you took them in the locations that you took them so the key thing for us really was to t- take each of the girls back to their origins, really back to their hometown, back to the sporting ground where they first learned to play, um, and to fill the portraits that we did with um, mementos and bits of story and symbols and, and things which really indicate to people who might not necessarily know these players that well 
what made them the women that they are today and the, and the sports people that they are today and how they actually got to be in Team GB itself, which is a, an enormous triumph. So ex- explain the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the, the Lincoln ladies, uh, there's a, a shot of uh, four, four of the, the Lincoln ladies. And, uh, well, there are, there are a number of shots um, in that setting. But um, when we met... The girls, uh, Jess Clark, for example, and uh, Sophie Bradley, and Casey Stoney, Casey yeah. Stoney, exactly. Um, they're they're all such fun. I mean, incredibly down to earth, and you know, obviously they're fantastic sportswomen. But they're they're more than just that. You know, they are the girls who like to go out and have a great time. They're into their fashion and their music, and so we really wanted to capture that element of them as well. And it was their um, it was their nightclub that the Lincoln girls went to every Christmas party so it was that nightclub and we thought that would be really good fun and they're not barred from a nightclub so they're already better role models than many of their male counterparts already (laughs) Uh, unless there was meant to be five in that shot but one person wasn't allowed in (laughs) do you think that London 2012 is is a real opportunity for women's football then it's massive yeah Yeah, I mean it's a completely historic moment for all of them for Hope Out and all of those players it's as if you know uh, there are a lot of players who've come up through the ranks, like Sue Smith, Faye White. All of those players have played a part to get Team GB to, to where it is today. It's, it's, you know, the fact that they're opening the whole of the Olympics Games is a huge opportunity for it. And um, let's hope they really, really grab it and can do something really big with it. And where can people see uh, more examples of your work? So um, you can see more of the images on our website, which is oliviaandallison.com. But also uh, they're being showcased as part of a bigger exhibition called Moving the Goalposts, which is at um, uh, Lanchester Gallery in Coventry for two weeks. During the Olympics, During the Olympic period, yeah. As promised, here are some more of your My Olympics tweets. Ray Morgan's been in touch, uh, who may have missed the point, saying, I think I deserve a medal, just braved French connection in the sales, and tried on a dress, and purchased it all within 15 minutes. Who knows, it could be a test event come at 2016. And Aaron, who is Magnus Opus 33, commented on Simon Barnes's column earlier on the week regarding some of the whinging and moaning that we've heard in the last week or so. Simon will be on the programme later on in the week. You can keep in touch using the hashtag MyOlympics via Twitter. If you listen to this on the Times iPad app. You can also get the program as an MP3 via iTunes. And if you listen via iTunes, you can get the show on our iPad app, where it comes with some amazing accompanying images relevant to all the topics we cover. If you aren't yet a Times subscriber, go to timespacks.co.uk, where there are various excellent packs on offer to suit your reading habits. Our next show will be with you tomorrow morning. Enjoy today's Olympic action. Bye bye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.